Selling with authenticity. It's building that relationship. Building about the value. Because you want to make that impact. It can make you happy. Elevate others around Welcome us. to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners, as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. Hello and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? Uh, hey, you know what? First of all, it's great to see you. This might be the first time we've recorded this podcast. And I don't have any Selling from the Heart gear on. Sorry, right. but hey, we got all kinds of great things going on. But my apologies to you, man. You're looking I, fantastic I in your favorite color for those listening in the audio. Larry is wearing orange. I know you really, really care about that. Hey, if you need to... hey, you ne- I mean, you never know orange is my favorite color since I wear red and gray all the time. But That's right. Hey, welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. And if you're new, you've joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, adding real value. We call it Selling from the Heart. Larry, we're uh, well into the year, and one of the best things going right now is the Selling from the Heart Insiders Group. What an incredible uh, blast we've been having this past month, hanging out with some up-close and personals, uh, and, and masterminding and solving each other's problems as we move into this interesting market with price challenges and supply chain, all these things that impact sales professionals. It's so good to have a forum where we can work through some of these issues together and uh, and encourage each other at the same time. You know what, Daryl? It's just really nice to see the group grow and the community rising to the occasion. New people coming in saying, hey, I want to check this out. We encourage you, come hang out with us, whether that be an up close and personal or with one of our group coaching and masterminds. I will tell you this, you'll have a blast, you will learn a lot, and you'll meet, meet some like-hearted people. Absolutely. And so you can join for 30 days, absolutely free, kick the tires, try it out, meet, meet some new friends and uh, find some new community. Go to sellingfromtheheart.net slash insiders. That's sellingfromtheheart.net slash insiders. Uh, come join us. It would be a blast. And, you know, one of the things we're encouraging each other to do right now is to uh, persevere to drive. <laughs> it's been helpful to me. Many of you know I'm training hey, right word now to go the, to Mount Everest at base camp. And, and that word of the year, year endure. And so endurance, <laughs> enduring, all of those things are um, part of the Selling from the Heart Insiders group and our community um, is cheering each other on. I know everybody's been cheering me on in this. And Larry, we've got a great discussion teed up today. Speaking of athleticism and endurance and, uh, <laughs> and, and putting all of those things to work, why don't you introduce our friend Ed and let's dive in. I've just absolutely, over the years, I've just absolutely, hey, by the way, welcome, Ed. I've enjoyed getting to know Ed Molitor. Um, our past crossed actually years ago on an article that I'd written about um, if professional athletes had a sales rep's mindset. And there was a picture of Kobe Bryant on the front and so forth. And <laughs> it was kind of my stab at the sales world, but mm-hmm. I'm a sales, I love everything about sales. I'm a sports nerd. And boy, Ed and I have gotten into some really great conversations. I've enjoyed getting to know Ed. I was recently on Ed's podcast and I said, hey, you got to drop your knowledge here on the podcast. Ed, welcome to Selling from the Heart. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm humbled and I appreciate you guys. I appreciate all the great work you do and I'm ready to have some fun. 
Well, we're glad to have you here as well. This is going to be a fun conversation. And as we get started, you know the question that every guest on the Selling from the Heart podcast answers, and that is, Ed, what does it mean to you to sell from the heart? Well, first and foremost, I love it. All right. And I, I think that's what it is all about. And it goes back to, first of all, value-based and purpose-driven. Okay. And what are if you look at our foundational program, it's victory defined. How do you define what winning means to you? And sales is about winning. For some reason, this cancel culture, sometimes we're afraid to talk about it, but yet we hold everybody to that standard. But what is it that winning means to you? And and the very first thing we talk about inside of that is values. And I believe that sales is transformational, not transactional. Okay. And we talk a lot about authenticity. And the way we break authenticity down here is this honesty, integrity, and vulnerability. But you look at those first two pieces of honesty and integrity. Okay. Do you have the ability to be with honest with yourself and with others? Integrity. Do your values, beliefs, and actions, are they aligned? And do your thoughts, your words, uh, and your your actions, you do what you say you're going to do when you're going to say you're going to do it, how you say you're going to do it. And I believe your values drive selling with the heart. And authenticity, it, it just drives that trust. And when you become the trusted advisor for your client, when they know that not only are you using your story to sell, but you're using their story to sell as, as well, what is it that they really need? What is it? Because it's it's way more than selling a widget. It's way more than selling a copier. It's way more than selling just a product, okay? You're selling something that's going to serve their life, okay? And you're selling selling a solution, and that solution is going to help them, not just, you know, in athletics, I, when I was coaching college basketball, we always talked about on the court and off the court, okay? It's going to help your client, not just in the office, but away from the office as well in other areas of their life. And, and are you into that with the trade? Do you really take the time to connect and get to know who your client is, your potential client is, what they need, and how do you service that client throughout the process? Okay, again, it goes back to transformational. And, and Larry, you said something to me. Before we started recording the podcast, um, my podcast, and, and then on the podcast where you talked about when you were struggling a little bit, and you're trying to figure out why you were so successful selling to different types of clients. And the thing that you came up with, and forgive me if the story is a little bit choppy, but you thing you came up with, you realized you had the most success and the most fun. Ironic how those go together with clients whose values were aligned with yours. Yep. Doesn't mean there's that, but and I found that so interesting, right? Regardless of the vertical, if their values were aligned. And I mean, I went to my clients and, and my wife was in sales. I shouted that from the mountaintop because that's, it makes so much sense that we don't do it. We spend so much time chasing metrics, chasing the numbers, trying to please those above us, right? That we forget why we're really doing it. And when you can take your why, and pour your why into the how, like how you actually go about doing your business and how you go about serving your client. And I think that all comes right from here, from the heart. And it's full of compassion. Uh, it's full It's full of care, okay? And I know some people are afraid to talk about the vulnerability piece, but it's so significant. And it's so significant to really understand how emotionally attached your client is to the success of what you're doing. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. And this is, I mean, I can already tell there, we're going to have a phenomenal conversation mm -hmm. with Ed. And it, it's just so interesting because um, I like how you brought in values and beliefs and the alignment of all of this. And I want to tie this all the way back 
to authenticity just for a quick moment, because Daryl and I recently have been in some really in-depth conversations with people who just believe authenticity is just a buzzword that has now just been thrown around, right? It's, um, you know, who knows? It could be the word of the year one of these days or one of these years. Who knows, Daryl and Ed? But let's just, just peel this back for a moment before we dive into the podcast is in order to sell from the heart, I believe you have to have your heart right. And you've used the word authenticity. Where do you think a couple things? Where do you think people get this right when it comes to authenticity? And where do you think, you know, through the lens of Ed, where do you think people might veer off course? I think some people look at authenticity as like, I am who I am. It's the old Popeye, right? I am who I am. That's all that I am. And if you don't like it, tough. I'm my authentic self. I is who I is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there you go. You said it wrong. You said it really well. But no, you know, and I, I think it's like, you know, take me or leave me. No, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. the authenticity we're talking about is having a positive impact on the lives of those that you are leading, those you are selling to in this instance. And that's it. And we all know people who pay lip service to leading or selling a certain way right? They say all the right things. They check all the right boxes until their back's against the wall, until there's a challenge or until there's adversity. And I think the beauty of being authentic, it allows you to be resilient. It allows you to lean into the things that strengthen you. They lean into the things that give you power to help you sustain that effort that's needed, both physical, mental, and emotional effort, right? It keeps you in balance. And the other thing it does is it helps you keep your level ahead when you're realizing a pretty significant level of success because you stay true to who you are and your people. And, and this is, if I could go to leadership for a second, step away from the selling piece, but you, and it fits right in the people that you are in charge of the people that you're selling to, they need to know what to expect from you every single day. And the only way that you can do that is being consistent with how you act, how you follow up, how you follow through, right? And consistent in your caring, your compassion and your empathy and your energy and your passion and your purpose. And I think that's the authenticity piece. And that's what, and when it all comes down to it, even if you're a little bit more expensive, someone might go, go with you because you know what? I know I can trust him. I know Larry's there when I need him. And I know he takes his personal because that's who he is. So it's uh, that this is, like it's it's that what we're talking about here. I put words to this <laughs> is coming deep from my heart. Um, is is when we think about authenticity. I mean, it's really summed up in giving a rip. It's not about you. It's about the other person. And I th- I think your you know that definition, the Popeye definition of authenticity that I think people get a little lost on is a self centered definition of authenticity. Hey, this is me. Take it or leave it. You know, I, I'm be and it's but, a bailout. It's the easy way out. Yeah. And and I think that's why people, Larry, are when when people are going, oh, I'm getting a little tired of this <laughs> authenticity <laughs> part. It's that attitude. But true authenticity is is genuinely um, passionately caring about other people and then knowing enough to, to about your values and your purpose, who you are, to be able to actually see the alignment and and um and go with it. And and to me that uh, that moment of clarity, by the way, thank you, Ed, um, is is really powerful. There's a, a me-centered authenticity and there's an other-centered authenticity. Those two are worlds apart. Uh, they, they are. And the authenticity that we're talking about is a servant mindset authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the consistent 
effort to grow and this consistent effort to, effort to serve your clients better. And I, you know, whether the door is open, or the door is shut. I, I'm, I am who I am. You know, I'm going to be this way and you know what it is that I stand for. You know what you can expect. And I really truly believe when leaders get caught up in fighting, our sales folks get caught up in fighting the whole authenticity concept. I think there's fear involved. I think there's a laugh, lack of self-confidence, a big one, poor self-image, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I've often talked to folks that, that are taking a beating. And I say, you know, the way they're treating you is a reflection of their character, not yours. Mm-hmm. All you can do is continue to be you. And, 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 and twi- you know, spin that around, the way you treat them and serve them is a reflection of you. So go to work and have some fun. God, so. God this, this is so good. And, and I think um, I did, we're just going to dive into this just because I, 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 I just have to ask because you're such a sports guy. I mean, you grew up in an athletic household. Um, you've been around some amazing leaders in your time, Ed. You know, coach us through, maybe share some stories as you're coaching us through of, you know, what would be some of the traits that these leaders brought to their teams that that helped their teams rise to the occasion? Because um, the reason why I'm saying this is great leaders, especially looking at this through a sales lens, great leaders are going to expire, inspire and influence and get their teams to do things Mm -hmm. that they didn't believe was capable and, and I think there's, you share so, you've shared so many great stories with me personally that can you share some as far as some of the great leaders that inspired you and what made them those leaders that got people to do you know, things they weren't capable of doing? Your timing, Larry, is impeccable. I was on an airplane this morning sitting across the aisle from a gentleman and we started talking and somehow he came up and she was showing me a phone, his phone of a picture of running into Lou Holtz at a Hooters in Orlando four weeks ago. Okay. And he goes, man, he could really motivate his players. And I looked at him. I said, what he was really good at was inspiring him. And he said, what do you mean? What's the difference? It is what it is, right? Motivation, inspiration. I said, no. I said, when you motivate, often you're getting people to do things that they might not want to do. And when you inspire them, Larry, it's exactly what you just said. The great ones, when you inspire them, you get things to accomplish things they might not have ever thought possible. And one of the way, not, one of the most important ways you do this is get to know them, get to know what makes them tick, get to know their story, get to know what's influenced some of the decisions they have made in their life, why they take certain things seriously and other things not so seriously, right? Why some things bring them down and other things lift them up. What are the, who's had the influence in their life? Who's had the positive impact in their life, the negative impact in their life? What has what do they watch? What do they read? What do they, what do they listen to? And the greatest coaches that I've been around, I've been blessed, you know, growing up a coach's son uh, from the South side. My dad was an old school Catholic league coach who always, I mean, that's where I learned about values. Right. And the, the thing that I, I, I just embrace, and this is why I believe coaching and business as a leader is so significant as opposed to just managing. And it's why we spend so much time teaching it. I truly embrace those leaders that understand they don't talk about oh i'm in this with you no i'm in this for you Mm. okay i am in this for you yeah we're in this together i'm going to step this alongside you and and those type of leaders you know employees athletes they will run through a wall i know that's an overused statement they will they will do anything and sometimes when you see these teams that are close-knit 
Okay. And, and, and they're, they're so cohesive and they're like, they're like a fist. Okay. When you see that people think, oh man, they just must really gel at practice. They, they just, a lot of the stuff that makes them so close, a lot of stuff that makes that player coach relationship so significant and so strong is things that happen away from the game. It's conversations they have behind closed doors. It's text messages late at night. It's phone calls early in the morning. It's, hey, go meet him at the cafeteria and have breakfast with him because you noticed last night he was bugging out at study hall. See what's up, you know? And I'll never forget one year I was a head coach at a junior college. A couple of buddies of mine convinced me to take it. It was the greatest thing. I just an incredible group of kids. When I when I took the job, we had four players, and, and I took it late. It was May or June. I said, fellas, here's what we're going to do, Okay. We have four players sitting in the team meeting. Four players. <laughs> All right. Four. It wasn't the ping pong team. <laughs> okay. A little more four. than four. Four. And but I knew we were going to go get some. And I said, fellas, here's what we're going to do. I said, we're going to win a national championship next year. Okay, we're in the best grade point average in school history for the men's basketball team. We are never going to lose two games in a row. We are going to win every home game. Okay. Now we only had seven, so I knew we were good on that one. And <laughs> I had, had, had to schedule games, baby. And I said, we're going to win conference regional, obviously, because we need to get to nationals. And we never lost two games in a row. Okay. We had at a junior college level, we had a 3.4 or 3.5 grade point average. It was, it was mind blowing. Okay. And the kids did it on their own. I didn't, I empowered them to do certain things a certain way and they did it. All right. Mm-hmm. Won the conference, never lost a home game. And we actually did have some tough home games and the head coach, me, screwed it up. We got third in the country. We ended up 28-7, most wins in school history. But I, I, I told them that at the team meeting, and I, and I, and here's how the season started. The day of our first game, we're playing. We were a Division three junior college, which meant we have no scholarships. We're playing a Division two scholarship who was ranked 10th in the country at the time, our home opener, first game of the season. And normally you have a walkthrough the day of the game. Well, our, our center, um, I don't know if he was starting at the time or not. He was kind of in and out of my doghouse. Great guy. Great kid at the time. He's doing wonderful in life now. But early on, he was he was kind of up and down. And his grandfather had passed away. Okay. And his grandfather was his guy. You know, had his mom and dad, but his grandfather was his guy. I canceled the walkthrough. And I said, fellas, I don't know if any of you, you know, not, not all our guys had suit coats. Okay. I said, find one and borrow it. Do whatever you got to do. We're going to meet at this funeral home at this time. And we're all going to make sure Dan's good. And that was the day of our first game. And oh, we wow. went and did that. That was a defining moment for our team. That was a defining moment. I think great leaders do that. I think great leaders see the bigger picture and they see how they serve that bigger picture. And it's in sales. Like, okay, what is this relationship I'm building? Am I building this relationship just to get the deal? Or I'm building this relationship to sustain it and see where it takes us and how awesome it is. Hey, I probably can learn some things inside this relationship, right? Like this relationship will serve me. And that's not a, that's not a self-serving thing. That's just a fact of life, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's, that's what great to me. That's what great leaders do. It's what great coaches do. You know, I talked about the word victory before. And we come up with this program that I'm absolutely in love with. And it's been wildly successful for us, victory defined. And I'm not a big acronym fan, but stay with me here because it's so powerful. What we've developed, we took the word victory and it's values intangibles, creativity. I'm going to take those three and talk about selling with the heart here in a second, but values, intangibles, creativity, team, okay, Mm -hmm. objective, rules of the game, and you. 
And when we created that, it was awesome. It was great, but I felt like something was missing. Now think about this inside the sales process and what great leaders, high impact leaders do. Um, great sales professionals, not just sales reps, but sales professionals, what they do. And then you have the five fundamentals that I created. Okay. And that's preparation, communication, execution, reflection, and adaption. And I think you do those things. And I think you layer those things together and you figure it out. And when you look at it that way, you're like, there's a lot of depth to what's going on right now. There's a lot of substance to this besides just the revenue that I'm generating for our company and the, and the surface problem that I'm solving for them. And I think that's when things become really cool. And I think it just, when, when you have that passion and that purpose, and you can go back to that, you know, and we can default, that becomes our default level. I think that's when you become wildly successful. You know, Larry, you talk in your book, and I love it about having a relationships fund. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was driving home from the airport this morning at 830, I called my wife, let her know I was going to be home. And I go, what are you doing? She said, I'm waiting for my, my computer to reboot. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be prospecting. She goes, you know how fun that is. I go, whoa. I go, you know who I'm talking to today? I said, you better fill that relationship for us, baby. I said, because oh, I'm going to tell so him good. in about two hours that you were questioning that part of the process, okay? Mm-hmm. So, but that's it. When you start doing these things, there's so much. And all of a sudden, you look forward to it. And it becomes, every single thing becomes significant. Every single conversation, every single note, every single email, every single text becomes meaningful, more powerful. And when you get that and you realize in the sales process that you're serving your client and serving yourself and serving the others on your team, whether it's your, your sales solution engineer, um, your support team, whatever it is, and all of a sudden everyone's involved in this, it becomes a pretty cool thing. Love it. Love it. What, so, so many great examples and parallels from the sports world. Where, where have you seen, um, where, where let's go negative for a minute. Where have you yeah. seen people get it wrong? Like, like, where do you get, where do you get in the ditch on this one? Where do you want me to start? <laughs> <laughs> when we, we can learn fired, from our failures, right? When, so, when we got fired at Texas A&M and I got to be really careful about how I tell this story. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. When we got fired at Texas A&M <laughs> in 1988, I was 28 years old. The game had been my whole life. And I already gave up being a pre-med major in college when I was at Creighton uh-huh. to become a coach, and which my mom still is not talking to me about that situation. <laughs> and okay. So, but I've gotten used to that part of life. And anyhow, I came back to Chicago. I'm like, I'm just going to do something different. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to live in a city. I'm going to get a job, make some money and not worry about wins and losses and decisions that 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids are making off the court and what have you. And I got into the mortgage business, 1998, first refi boom in Chicago. It was awesome, making a lot of money. And I was miserable. And I was miserable because it was a very transactional existence for me. Fake it till you make it. You know, how many pre-approvals are in your pipeline? How many pre-quals are in your pipeline? Like how many apps have you taken? What's your close rate? Um, what's your margins? All that stuff. I'm like, man, what's I'm like, this culture? This is just, so I blame them for getting me back into college coaching, right? And, but the leader of that company was very successful on a transactional scale. If you judge by numbers, very successful has continued to build and grow and buy banks and what have you. And he is in a way he's probably going to serve federal time in prison uh, for something that's actually tied to a lot that's going on with our federal government. I'll leave it at that right now. But you could see it coming. 
and you could see it coming by the way he led, but it didn't phase me because of the business I came from. And that's college basketball and college basketball is a business and there are coaches. And if you pay close attention to interviews, there's a great clip on Twitter that I'll send you, uh, send you gentlemen, um, of Monty Williams. Okay. The head coach of the Phoenix suns. And he's talking after a game, they had a big win. And he's talking in the locker room. And one of his guards is leaning back in his chair in the locker room. Jokingly says, hey, coach, congrats. When's our first practice after the All-Star break? Because he's been named the Western Conference head coach of the All-Star games. And Monty did something. And Monty, if you know his story, has had, you know, an unbelievable journey. What's happened to him in his life with his family and how um, compassionate and forgiving and eloquent he's been and stuff. I mean, he's a very tough, humble human being. And he said, he started, I won't, I won't go into it. He basically called his staff back into the the, lot, the room in the locker area where they were, locker room where they were. Excuse me, and he called them in. He says, "Fellas, I'm going to tell you something. Now, think about this, okay?" He says, "I fall short a lot, and these guys pick me up, and these guys have my back. You guys pick me up, and you guys have my back. If I were to sit here and dismiss and say, oh, it's no big deal.'" then I would be doing this service to honoring all the work that you put in and that they put in. Now, how's that for a servant leader? Right. Uh, but if you listen or you read between the lines, there are so many coaches, urban Meyer pro ranks, the college ranks where it is absolutely about them. Uh, they somewhere along the line, they feel the real, they fail to realize that winning at the highest level is still a byproduct of the process and doing things the right way for the right reasons. And instead of it being about the players, about your support staff, about the community that you build, it becomes about them. It becomes ego driven. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'll tell you this, it's really easy to have happen. You know, I think one of the biggest travesties in college basketball, and I'll talk about all sports, but one of the biggest travesties, I had this conversation with some pretty significant people in the, in, in the athletic world at the college level last night, sitting around after a game. They're putting these coaches into the basketball hall of fame while they are still coaching college basketball. Hmm. You know, and I won't go, I won't go into names, but I could go crook, 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 right. Mm -hmm. About them, about them, about them. And all that does is fuel the fire of them being egomaniacs. Now, they may be great friends with the kids. They may, but it, it and that's the ego piece of it is what really drives people away and helps. And, and they forget who they are and what they stand for. They forget mm -hmm. where they came from. You know, I think that's one of the great things about being an athletic coach is you really have to pay your dues early. You got to, you have to sweep the floors. You have to wash the backboards. You have to pick up the locker rooms. You know, you have to tape ankles, tape fingers. You have to, to wash clothes. That's the way I got started. It's, I think, but when you learn, when you lose those lessons, right. Mm -hmm. and, and you forget why you were doing that because you wanted, to, you wanted the honor to lead young men, young women, and to prepare them for life. And, and, you know, you go back to the business world on that. And we talk mm -hmm. about this. I may not have you for four years. You may not be on my sales team for four years, but you know what? I am going to get you prepared. Like you're going to be here the rest of your life. And I'm going to equip you. Okay. And I'm going to do the best I can to put you in the best position to be as successful as you possibly can. And that's the way I'm going to operate. And why? Because that's what I stay. That's, that's who I am. And, and that's the right thing to do. And I, I think, and the other, the other piece of the puzzle, to be honest with you, if you really want to go with athletics, why it's so hard, the other besides ego, guys are fighting for their lives every single day. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, people with money, the boosters, the some you know, the regents who might not have any clue about what's going on, right? They 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 have a say in the livelihood of the head coach. And it's we live in such a of immediate gratification society right now and we want things right now. And and there's there's a coach who has been great to me over the years. I, I've known him since I was playing high school basketball. He has now been busted cheating at three schools and just got a lifetime contract when they were number one in the country. It is what it is. It's it's the business, right? And that's where that's where it gets lost, you know. And then, you know, last night, as I told you, I'm in Oklahoma seeing my brother, one of my greatest friends, Porter Moser, in his first year at Oklahoma. It's the only game I could get to, so I flew out early yesterday. And they lost a, a must-win game last night to TCU. And um, looking at him after the game made me realize why I don't miss coaching at that level anymore. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I, we're standing in the tunnel, and the last time I was at Oklahoma, I was coaching at Texas A&M. We lost in double overtime, and I vowed I would never walk in that arena again. And there I was, feeling the same way. Okay, And I'm well, like, man. But I'll tell you what, the thing about Porter, and why he had so much success at Loyola went to a Final Four. He knows what he stands for. He's going to do it his way, not because it's about him, but because it's the right way to build it. And he's going to build this culture, and I call it building a culture we're fighting for, okay? Mm-hmm. And why is it we're fighting? Because it serves everybody. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't serve him. It serves everybody involved. And, and I think that's really – in when you do things the right way, it's sustainable. Now, this one coach I was just telling you about. So they say he's got a lifetime contract. He's only got about eight years left. So someone asked me last night, and it's in the conference where Oklahoma is going into in, in a year or two. They asked me what I thought about it. I said, hey, he's never had an eight-year period in his life where he has not had a major NCAA violation. So it is not a lifetime contract, okay? <laughs> but that's just a fact. But that's the fact right. of the matter, right? And and when you do things the right way, when you do things authentically, and you you your values are what drives you, it saves a lot of energy for you to focus on other things that are more productive for your people, for your clients, for your, your sales team, because you're not wasting that negative energy, right? That discretionary energy that you have, you're not wasting it and trying to use smoke and mirrors and dance and do all those other things. And I think that's, what's so powerful about authenticity. Oh, oh man. I, I, boy, we can go on and on. I mean, I, for the for those that are listening or those that are watching on YouTube, I would just ask you just pause for a second and just reflect. Now, some of you may not be sports minded, and that's okay. But there's so much gold in what Ed just said when it just comes to leadership and how you lead not only a team but how you can lead yourself. Ed, thank you so much for hanging out with us. And Daryl, I I told you that this this one was going to be good. Yeah, I, I, all, all your podcasts are good. I, I apologize. I got a, a little into the leadership side as opposed to just the sales size, but really in the sales process, that is what you're doing. You're leading it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's the same thing. And, and, hey, Larry, Daryl, I can't, I can't thank you too enough. I mean, I, this was, this was awesome. I always enjoy our time together and, and look forward to talking again soon. Love it, Ed. Uh, your true inspiration. That was incredible. Thank you. So good. So, what Darryl, great, wow. Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm I can listen to the core. <laughs> I tell you what, I could listen to Ed Molitor <laughs> stories all day long. They're just so, but here's why I brought this up at the end. Everybody is, you know, we make so many parallels between sports 
coaching and then this transition into sales. I thought Ed did a masterful job at kind mm -hmm. of just sharing, you know, what great leaders do. And I would just say, you know, think about the great leaders inside your organization. You know, what do they do differently? Think about that one. Yeah. And the parallels as well, it, going right back to the very beginning of that conversation about authenticity, you know, the, the looking at this going, do I really care? Is it about me? You know, is it those coach coach examples of where it's all about me, my success, my advancement, my wins, um, or is it about helping other people succeed? Uh, you know, it's just good. It all goes back to good old Zig Ziglar, right? Help enough people get what they'll want. Yep. You'll, you'll always get what you want as well. And right to the heart of selling from the hearts. Absolutely love it. Larry, I'm so grateful for these conversations we get to have bringing a movement of authenticity to the sales profession. If you want to meet some like-hearted people, um, you go, wow, there's other people out there that think like I do about sales that are, are buying into this and, and driving forward with a servant leadership heart, with authenticity, being genuine. Check us out. Go to sellingfromtheheart.net slash insiders and become a Selling From The Heart Insider Group member. And uh, we're, we're pushing on this. We're encouraging each other because this is so critical right now. You know, it, it absolutely is. And, and it's just been a blessing. So, you know, to, to everyone out there, if you found this valuable, share it. Yeah, share, share Share what selling from the heart means to you. And uh, boy, this has been a ride. Let me tell you that, Daryl. It's been a ride. It's great. We've got a lot of great episodes coming up throughout the winter and the spring. So make sure to like, subscribe, um, whatever platform you're on. If you do us a favor, leave us a review. It helps us spread the word of Selling from the Heart. Now a top 1% podcast. And we're just, this movement continues to grow, Larry. It's such a pleasure. So thank you to everybody. Um, thank you for um, all of our friends out there. Till next time, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, Keep adding real value, develop authentic leadership skills, and most of all, sell from the Thanks for listening to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the SalesCast Network. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate your encouraging reviews as it helps us spread the word. As always, we would love to connect with you. So look for us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is produced by our friends at SalesCast. Learn more at www.salescast.co. We look forward to seeing you next time.